to get your Bibles out and turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I was, there's something kind of been stirring in me for a while that I've just had this, this sense on the inside of, of my heart about that something that I don't want to see happen, that as people are excited about the Word or, or, or maybe have, have gained a new connection with God, maybe put more trust in God, that I don't want people to draw back once things kind of get back to normal. I don't want to see also just a spiritual falling away. I, I think there's a... a Across this nation, I've seen it. I've felt it. Many of you would would probably agree that there is just a a uh, sense across uh, the around the world in a lot of ways that uh, there's a lot of things that are contrary to the Bible, contrary to the Christian life that uh, infiltrate things within our world, our society, even our churches. And, you know, we just want to be careful to hold fast to the Word of God. And so uh, my, my messages haven't changed a whole lot uh, throughout this. I think they've been specific to encourage us to stand and, and uh, trust God and all of those things. But, you know, we teach that. That's a daily life for us. This, this should be pretty, pretty normal. But uh, this, this passage here in Hebrews chapter 10, I, I use this. I, I don't remember. I've been doing uh, prayer time at 7 o'clock in the morning for the last four weeks or, or so, and, and uh, on High Call Ministries Facebook, and I've been so I've been teaching a little bit with that, and then I've been, you know, of course, do the Tuesday night and do here, and some of it all runs together sometimes. I forget what I've taught where, but I brought this verse up in something that I was teaching over the last several weeks. But in verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to use this as our launching point because I, I titled this Don't Draw Back. In other words, don't, don't allow the things of the world or, or, whatever's going on to derail us. But look at verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 10. He says, but recall, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today, a little bit different translation, but, but, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated. He's reminding the people, this is, the, most believe uh, Paul wrote Hebrews, doesn't say for sure, but, but the, the author here is instructing Christians. He's saying, remember those times when you went through stuff. See, we're going through stuff. I mean, even if you aren't as directly affected as some, some have lost jobs, some have lost you know, loved ones, some of them, I mean, there, there's different, uh, but it affects everything that we do because of this worldwide pandemic, this worldwide the issues that we're in. But I just challenge everybody constantly is we have all been through something that was more than we could handle at any other time. And so the same God, the same uh, set of certain, the same uh, uh, things that will bring us through are in play today. It just seems to be a bigger issue. And so we can still trust God. So he says, remember those things in verse uh, 34. For you have compassion on those in prison. You had compassion on those who in prison. And you joyfully ex accepted the plunder of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. He says, you, you were able to look beyond the temporal things, you, you joyfully accepted whatever was going on in your life. Now, I think there's a, a, a balance here. I don't think that we ought to just 
accept uh, somebody stealing our stuff, accept being run over. That's not what necessarily he's saying, but he's saying because of the greater thing that you understand and know, it enabled you to uh, absolutely have joy in the midst of that trial, that, that time, because you were looking on ahead. Do you, do you remember those of you that, that were in athletics in school? Uh, I remember two a days. I remember in football. I remember I, I always wore cowboy boots all summer long, all, well, all the time. And I can remember the first, and I don't even know if they make kids stretch like they used to. I think it was just abuse back when, when we were playing. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, but I remember my Achilles tendons being stretched out. And I remember one, one year in particular, I mean, I just, I mean, I couldn't hardly walk or function because we were doing all these, you know, calisthenics. We were doing all these stretches. And, and I remember how agonizing that was. But you had the anticipation of game day. You had the anticipation of the season. This was the beginning. It was hot. It was awful. It was, you know, terrible times. But you had something you were looking forward to. It's kind of like uh, that where, where this is concerned. When we are tapped into God and Him as a resource and a supply, we have something that gets us through these times that are, are difficult, these times that are that are challenging. And so we're going to entrust that. That's kind of what He's doing. He's reminding them of, them of those things. He says in verse 35, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. He said, maintain that. Don't throw it away. Hold fast that confidence. I can do this. You ever be at that point where you, you're maxed out? You're not sure you can, and then all of a sudden you do. <laughs> you, 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 all of a sudden you get to you, you realize that it's all it's there. You you made it through. Hold on with that. And he says in verse thirty six, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, my right, the righteous shall live by faith. That's our, our way to live, our way to walk, is to live by faith. It takes faith to live. It takes faith to believe in a God you can't see. People say, well, I don't know how you believe in a God you can't see. How many of you believe in the virus? Can't see it. Now, we may have differing of opinions on what else is going on with the virus? I'm not going to get into that. But we believe there's a virus. We can see We can see why. We can see the results of it. See, we believe in things we can't see all the time. I don't know how people can hang up on the fact that they can't see God and, and, not, and not believe. But, and yet we do that all the time. He says, we live by faith. If he shrinks back, that verse 38, my soul has no pleasure in him. He shrinks back or draws back, regresses, falls away. See, there's going to be a time in the end where there's a great falling away. There's a lot of people who reject the faith that, that they give up on God. He, even back then, he knew that that was going to happen. You may have known people who grew up in church, lived with, for God, and then they've left or they've walked away from things of God. And he's saying it's going to take perseverance to maintain or hold fast. And why is that? Because there's going to be those times and those seasons that challenge our faith, that challenges us or pushes us to want to ask questions like, where is God? Or questions like, 
you know, why is this happening? How can this be? And, and so we put our faith in what God word, God's Word says and on that blessed hope or on that future that gets us through, that keeps us able to endure, able to stand and not hold back or not draw back of it. So what are a couple of things? There's a couple of things in my, in my thoughts that I was uh, had, had put down that cause us to draw back. And the first one is, is I'm going to say two things, smooth sailing and sinking ships. You know, you think about it, what causes us to draw back or become a little bit uh, on a, a smooth sailing? Sometimes when the sun's shining and the water is glass and the wind's just right and, and you can see all the way to the horizon and there's no issues, what do we do? We slack off. It's, it's probably not any of you that who, who are here, right, or watching online. It's all those other Christians. No, we all do that. We all, we all, uh, we all do that at some times, some more than others. But it's easy to do. Why? Because there's nothing pushing us to. Your flesh loves to be lazy. You're, you're lo- why, are, why are you who are not lazy not lazy? Because you've disciplined your body. You've disciplined your, your, your flesh. You've maintained that. But what, what do we do as Christians sometimes when everything gets easy? We slack off praying. When do you pray the hardest? When you're in trouble, right? And so we, we have to be challenged. I, I, I've said this before, but, you know, soon I, we look at, look at things and, and all of a sudden things begin to get tight. And we think, okay, why is that? Because maybe we look back and recently, everything been so good. We got slacked up in prayer. We don't spend as much time. Everything was easy. We're all good. And listen, it's not about works. I don't want you to think we're earning uh, salvation or anything. But there is there is a lot to be said for our part in in disciplining ourselves and putting ourselves in that best place where God, where we can hear, getting our flesh under subjection and, and that sort of thing. So smooth sailing is a great way to do it. Let's turn, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to use uh, an Old Testament scripture, or some Old Testament scriptures. Out of uh, Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book of the Bible, the last book of the Pentateuch. And that's the first five books. They're, they're grouped into a certain set of books. And this is a this is a book written by Moses. Most believe that there's some discrepancies or, or uh, arguments about that, but but most believe uh, Deuteronomy is written by Moses. But it was definitely written about Moses transition the transition from his leadership of the children of Israel into Joshua. So what's happened is they've been. Uh, delivered from Egypt. They'd been brought through 40 years of wilderness because they would not listen to God and not obey God. And so they went through the 40 years of the wilderness. That generation died off that would not believe, and now the new generation has come in. And so they're getting ready to go in, but Moses spends about a 30-day process of teaching the children of Israel how to be successful in the land. How to be successful in the promised land. And man, so, I I mean, I'm I'm looking at this now. you got to uh, value this through the New Testament. You got to look at. There's some things that are written specifically to uh, the children of Israel, but but when we look at the principles here, they're they're phenomenal. And so let, let's look at chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse one. It says, "Now this is the commandment, the statutes, the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going to pass over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God." And that your sons, your son and your son's son, 
by keeping all of His statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. So He says, man, if you'll follow God, pass it on generation to generation, you'll be blessed and you'll live long. Verse 3 says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may be well with you or go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. He says, look, I want you to be blessed. And he says, here's how you do it. He says, fear the Lord, hear the word of God, do the commandments of God. And he says, then it'll, it'll be well with you and you'll be multiplied. Now, listen, that's not that we pursue things. That's not that we make our goal to, to have a bunch of money and, and possessions. But God does say that he will bless it cause our life to be multiplied in the things that are good for us. And so he was specifically saying that to Israel, but I believe you can see the principle of that carrying all the way through the Bible. Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. So he's just challenging me. He says, he, he establishes this. Now, with these, Deuteronomy was one book. Jesus, three times in the tempt, when he was temptation, tempted, uh, during the time of temptation, right when he began his ministry, he quoted Deuteronomy three times. These, these principles are carrying over into the New Covenant, New uh, uh, Testament, but New Covenant that provide us. He says, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your... Uh, heart with all your soul and with all your mind. So everything is in him. He's challenging these people and he says, he says, I want you to make sure that you remember these things. Now, remember Jesus over in, uh, we won't turn there, but Mark chapter 12, 30, if you take a notes, you can write that down later on and read that. Jesus quoted that and, and he told them later on, he also told them, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, or might. And he said, Love your neighbors yourself. You know what he was telling them? Fulfill the law. You can't fulfill the law. You can't do all the tons of commandments. There was more than just ten. You know, you know there was the ten commandments, and there was all these other commandments. There was all these things that were going to cause them to fail so that they could see they needed God. They needed His grace. They needed His provision. And Jesus just summed up all of the, of the ability to walk in that. And He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Put Him as Lord, as focus, that put that first. And then he said, love your neighbors yourself. Okay, God, I can do the love you, that love your neighbor part. I don't know, I can't, I don't know if I can do it. Well, yeah, we can, and by the help of the Holy Spirit, and by the, by the, by the things that he provides, and the resources that he gives us. And so, that's what we want to do, is we want to make sure that we're living that way. Now, he, he goes on here, and he, he says in verse uh, 7, You shall teach them diligently, talking to your, your children, and, and you shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. He said, man, everywhere you go, all throughout what you do, he said, preach to your kids. All the parents said, amen, and all the kids said, oh, no. But that's what we do constantly is we're, we're preaching to our kids or we're sharing or teaching them the things that we know. 
But God says a better way is to make sure that you take the principles and apply the principles of the Word of God to all those things. Take take those laws, those uh, commands, and apply them. Now, he goes on here and he says, when you, or you shall bind them on the, as a sign on your hand and you shall uh, be as frontless before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He says, take the word and post it everywhere. Well, see, uh, the Jews would have a, a box with scripture put in that box and take a leather strap and wrap it around their arm or tie it to their forehead. And I mean, they would literally do this. They, but I, I have taken this, and I've done this for years and years, taken Scripture and written it and posted it on our mirror, posted it on the wall, posted it around, and begin, but, but not just as a nice little thing to have so people think we're spiritual, but so that we keep it before us. See, that's the point of it, is that we're reminded all the time, this is how I'm going to respond. This is the promise that I have for me. This is what I'm declaring. Sue's got a whole list of prayers over our kids, things she's prayed and declared over them for years and years, that in her Bible, handwritten things that, that uh, she's prayed over those kids, prayed over our family, things that we've agreed on that we're going to pray as a dedication to those things. And so we go to the Word of God and we use those principles of the Word to transform and change uh, and, and to remember that. That was the big thing here, to not forget. This is what chapter 6 is talking about. Don't forget. I love this. He goes on in verse 10. He says, And when the Lord your God, uh, God brings you into the land that he swore your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build. Now, he's, he's illustrating, he's giving them the picture of what he's going to provide them with. Cities you didn't build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you, and you, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Now, I want to pause right there and, and, and see that's what I guess the Lord was stirring in me, that to be challenged that we never forget who provided what's, what we have. Never forget those things. Now, you say, well, right now things are a struggle and difficult. Well, then let's remember the God who got us through the last challenge. The first challenge, something else that we faced. Remember what, how, how God, we can go back, this was written, this was, this was happening like 3,500 years ago, roughly. I mean, this was way back a long time ago. You say, oh, that's just old stuff. How's that, how's that do us any good today? Well, let me, let me ask you, is God the same today as he was? 3,500 and plus, I mean, always been. Is the devil the same? Yes. He's, 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 had, he's had a level of, uh, it's, it's different in how we connect with him. But, I mean, our enemy, our struggles, the curse is still on the earth, even though Jesus has begun to replace things and, and provide us with things. But the important part is, is man the same? Because we got technology, we got, uh, we got intelligence, we, we have a whole lot of other things, but our hearts are still the same. We still fall away. We still get, we still get sleepy. You know, 
We we still it's warm in here, man. I'll tell you what. But I'm gonna tell you what. My flesh doesn't rule. My my. Uh, but the same man, the same kind, mankind, the same issues that they had 3,500 years ago. We have today. What we get? We get full of pride. We forget. We 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 want to control. We don't want to yield. But he's challenging. He says, remember, 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 don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Verse 12, I love this. Then take care lest you forget who provided it all, basically. Who provided it all? See, why did they get to have houses that they didn't build, cisterns they didn't dig, vineyards they didn't plant, uh, all the trees they didn't plant, all these things, all these benefits, all these blessings, because God brought them into a land because of the promise that he provided, but he drove out the enemy. The people left the stuff, and God enabled them to have that. Now, the important part that we need to have right now is that we don't want to draw back. We don't want to let up. We don't want to change uh, or weaken in, in our pursuit towards God as that when things are good. Uh, let's go on here in verse uh, 15. The Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you off the face of the earth. Well, I mean, he, he challenged in the children of Israel. He said, man, you better keep keep uh, that in remembrance. But you know that word jealous, that's always been a, a, an unusual thing or an uh, interesting thing whenever I begin to, to think about that. But it means an exclusive covenant relationship. It's a singular devotion. Him being a jealous God is basically saying, I'm giving no room for anything else. And, and I think that's the thing that I see at us in, in the world and in, in the nation, and uh, not maybe us individually, but I'm saying as a whole. One of the things we have to guard against is this willingness to allow other things in to crowd out uh, that relationship with God. Across this nation, across this world, there, there's all this inclusion and this acceptance of so many other things that are outside of the things of God that we need to guard against. He, he, he says, I'm a jealous God. I don't, in other words, I want it to be exclusive, kind of like a marriage. That, that same verbiage or that same idea was within that, that marriage relationship. It's exclusive. It's something that no other, no other woman has the same influence, attention, focus in my life than my wife. And I said, so she's never been one to be jealous, but she's never had reason to be. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of females that are in my life. I got I got all the ladies of the church, I got my mom, I got my mother in law, and then I got three daughters. And so I got all these all these females, all these women in my life that I have to interact with that I deal with on a regular basis. But the last say, the last word, the number one attention goes to my wife. And, and so she doesn't have to be jealous of me because of that choice and that decision. But, but what if I go to giving too much attention to someone else? You know, what if I put too much emphasis in somebody else's opinion, somebody else's, so then that causes that strain. But see, where God is concerned, he's saying don't, don't, don't allow that because when we make that an exclusive thing, then we stay in that tight relationship and that the benefit uh, of what he can do in our lives 
he, he just continues to talk about that, and he goes through this whole time of challenging them. Don't forget what I've provided for you. Don't forget who brought you through. And why is that so important? Because he needs that so bad? No. What's so important, why that's so important, is because pretty soon you allow something else in it begins to pull you away. Why, why do affairs happen? Because somebody at work or somebody somewhere else begins to draw attention away. Why, why do things begin to be a problem? Because we allow something else. What should be number one is no longer number one. What, what happens with people in their, in their faith, in their walk with God? What happens with churches? What happens with nations? What happens with world? We begin to allow other things to begin to dictate. Say, well, you know, that Bible stuff, you know, it's kind of outdated. Huh? No. Well, you know, God, he, he was talking to people way back then. No. Anyway, we can take a lot of these things and begin to apply it. And be careful that we allow, but that we don't forget what God's provided. So let's look at chapter 8. And I want to I compare a little bit here out of chapter 8 in the last little bit of time I got. It says, the whole commandment, verse 1 of chapter 8 says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you and you shall remember, verse 2, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you the last 40 years in the wilderness, that he, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Man, I tell you what, he, notice he, he uses, he went from talking about don't forget to now the antonym of that, and he says, make sure that you remember. That's basically saying the same thing, but just a little bit of difference, a little bit of a transition. Go from don't forget to remember. See, the, he begins to talk to him a little bit different. I'm going to try not to read the entire chapter. So I told Sue, I said, man, I got so many. I got these two, these two whole chapters that I want to try to get in and teach, and then I want to get in back over into Second uh, uh, Peter. I got some stuff there. We'll, 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 we'll not give you the whole bunch today. We'll get on it next week. But I can tell you in verse, uh, notice here again in verse, uh, verse 2, uh, remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you for 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. I guess the, the definition of manna is, what is this? Isn't that amazing? It's like bread from heaven, angel food. I've heard all these different things, but basically in the Hebrew they're going, what is this? which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live. See, there was a purpose for it. He said, I want you to know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God wanted them to see and realize that he's their source. And you know what? I don't 
I don't sit here and say that God brought all this on us to get us to this point, but God will absolutely use this to bring us to this point because when we get to a point that we understand and know that God is our source and He's the one that provides, we don't live by bread alone. We don't live by what we can produce alone. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And boy, what, what, a, what a great, encouraging word for us today. Since uh, your clothing did not wear out on you, your foot did not swell those 40 years. Now then, know then in your heart that a man disciplines his son and the Lord your God disciplines you so that you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Boy, I mean, he, he just goes on, to, to, and if you read all that, he goes on and he just challenges him. He says, remember, remember, remember. He goes on in verse 11, he says, take care lest you forget. He goes back to what he was saying in chapter 6, lest you forget. When you've been multiplied, he talks about it in the next few verses. Look at verse 14. Then your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God. See, he's challenging. Don't forget who brought you here. And then when it all gets good, he's saying you're getting ready to go into a place of rest. A place that, that's what Hebrews talks about, calls it the rest, God's rest. You're, you're in a place where it's all good, smooth sailing. He says in that time of smooth sailing, don't forget, remember, and then don't let, verse 14, don't let pride slip in. He says, your heart be lifted up. What are we doing? Pride. Look at my stuff. Look at my success. Look at what I did. Aren't I smart? Aren't I strong? Aren't I able? Listen, you can take some credit. I was smart enough to allow God and his giftings and talents to enable me to do something. But we got to be careful when we start saying, man, look at me. I always tell people, anytime I'd, anytime I'd get a little bit proud, I think, boy, look at the look at the crowd or look at the you know the prayer results or, or look at the, the people's recognition or look at whatever. You get sticking chest out, and pretty soon God just stepped back and you just That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'll step back. Your enemies will come back in. Your crops will fail. Your things will fail. Your, your, is, your issues will rise. Just said, no, he's guarding against that. He said, I want you to be able to maintain this. He says, he goes on now, verse 17, he says, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You ever done that before? You don't have to raise your hands. But I, I've done that. If we're honest, haven't we done that sometimes? See, but now, let me balance that. People say, tell me after a sermon, sometimes I'll say, hey, good job, that was good. I'll say, thank you. It's okay to say, thank you. I'm not taking credit. A lot of times I usually follow that, well, God will, God will use anybody. You know, isn't it, isn't it amazing how God can use anybody? And so giving God credit. But see, the, the key is you can say thank you and not have pride. You can say thank you and have pride. And only God knows what's in our heart. So he's saying guard, guard against that. Because why? He says, uh, verse 18, You shall remember, again the word remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers this day. And if you forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods, serving them and worshiping them. I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you because...
because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have time to get into a whole lot else, but that right there is enough to chew on for a week. We begin to ask ourselves, and that's what I thats what I, I think in my heart that I'm cautious with for our nation, praying that we don't leave God and allow other gods. He, he spends a lot of time, if you read in here, he spends a lot of time telling them, making it very clear, don't, uh, don't marry into other religions and take their religion on. Don't allow for the, the, the dual worship and those types of things. Make it clear, God, you are my God. You're the one I'm following. You're the one I'm trusting. You know, I think there's a couple of messages or a couple of things that we can look at here. So we don't want to allow for things in this world to influence causing us to compromise our faith. We also don't want to allow ourselves to begin to take credit for things only God can provide. We constantly say, thank you, Lord, for providing. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this ability to get wealth or this ability to provide. This, uh, you, you could say, man, you know, you were, you were smart in your business decisions. You know what? Whenever we pray and we trust God, it was God who gave us those insights, God who gave us that timing, God who put us in the right place at the right time. That's what I want to entrust. And, and if you were very successful without God, Think how successful you could be with God. Man, what could we do if we coupled up with God? So I just challenge you to, to uh, set aside anything, guard against setting and, and set aside anything we try to get between you and God. You know, uh, in, the, in the world that we're living in, the time that we're living in, there's a lot of people pursuing God. There's a lot of people trusting their lives to God. And I pray that once this is over, and we're on easy street, smooth sailing again, it's going to, everybody says, well, it's going to be different. I was telling Sue on the way over here, or maybe it was last night, I wonder how things, what, what is going to be different. Because things will be, I'm sure. But I believe it's going to be different for the good. And I believe we trust that. So let's, let's just go before the Lord and close this service. Father, we just thank and praise you that, that Lord, we didn't get through all the notes. But, Father God, we know that, that if we'll honor you, fear you, as you as you told the children of Israel to do, if we'll put no other gods before you, if we'll place you first, that, Lord, even if we have achieved things with seemingly without you, that, Lord, we can we can back up and pause and say, Lord, I'm never, I'm never going to forget, I'm always going to remember that it's you that gives me the power to get wealth or, or to be successful. It's you who makes provision for me, supplying my need. It's you that, that have brought me out of a life of, of sin, just digressing back or going back to going back over the things that you've brought us through. God, I thank you and I praise you for those things and we can celebrate those things. But Father, I thank you and also praise you that we, we want to remember that it is through Christ Jesus that we're given entrance into the heavens, into the, the promises of God that, that you make supply for us. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would not hold back or shrink back from the decision to trust our lives to Jesus Christ if we have not. And, Lord, that we, we'd also make a decision that we're going to take hold of the things of God to, and, and step into a place that we've never been before. Father, we just thank and praise you. We ask you that you just minister that to, to those that are sitting at home. 
as well as those who are here, that, Lord, we'd be challenged with this word to remember the Lord our God, how great you are. Now, Father, for those that might not have made Jesus Lord of their life, I pray that today that they that they realize that, God, you are our source of supply. You are our hope. And I pray, Lord God, that, that, that they'd under, come to an understanding that without Jesus, they could be lost and that they are lost. And Father, today, if they choose to accept Christ, that they can make that decision to say, Jesus, I ask you, I believe that you're the Christ. I believe that God raised, that you were raised from the dead. That God, the Father, gave his Son as a sacrifice for my sin. And the Lord, if I, I, I confess that sin, asking you to be my Lord, to be my Savior, so that I can be born again. Father God, I thank you and I praise that anybody willing to, to pray that prayer, to, to simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and Savior. They can be born again. They can have, have a new life in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Father, that you disturb any who are in that place, that position to do so in Jesus' name. Amen.